0: So, uh, there's two of us up here, which is exciting. I'm going to explain that in just a minute, but I wanted to make a couple of announcements uh, before we do that. Uh, just wanted to say that yesterday was a smashing success, and we are praising God for what He did yesterday. Uh... <laughs> What's that? <laughs> oh, yeah, the new app, exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so this is what uh, those of you who weren't with us yesterday, we did uh, one of our twice a year count me in service projects. And yesterday we had a record participation. We had 90 plus people who were involved going out onto, into 20 different projects throughout the community, helping, working on homes of elderly and needy uh, and uh, a, a senior center and this school uh, and just taking care of all kinds of things. Uh, It was just a a wonderful day. We had, uh, at the end of the day, we gathered uh, well over, I believe, 3,000 pounds. That actually may be a low estimate. 3,000 pounds of green waste and debris that we took. To the dump and got rid of and cleared out, and just helped some elderly people be able to look out their back window again and not be frustrated, but you know, enjoy their yard. So, um, very exciting. And a lot of the projects that we've been working on now, we've been going back, you know, year after year, time after time, and it's been a wonderful thing to see how we're beginning to make progress on these yards and actually having sort of long-term impact in people's lives. And some great conversations with the homeowners and just lots of wonderful things. So we're really celebrate- celebrating that today, uh, praising God for uh, how he met us yesterday and helped us to really uh, be a witness in the community. Some other things that are going on uh, during this season that are very important. Also, we have uh, coming up, you know, the youth group has really been sort of going after it this beginning of the fall. Uh, They had a great kickoff, and this next Saturday, they're going to be having uh, a trip to the A's game. So if you know of students, middle school and high school, who would be excited about that, the information is there in your your bulletin. encourage you to take advantage of that. Also, in your bulletin, you'll see an announcement about a marriage Uh, retreat that's coming up, so if you have interest in that, it's going to be, uh, I think, a wonderful time for people to to tune up the marriage, or if you're having problems, to maybe uh, address some of those issues, and so take a look at that, and uh, you can find more details on that. Next Sunday is going to be our vision day, part two. Every year on the last Sunday of September, we uh, gather together and and we talk about the vision for the coming year. And then we have a congregational meeting. And this is primarily for members, but others are allowed to attend this meeting after worship next Sunday. And uh, at that meeting, we're going to be voting on the budget and church council. Uh, But the, the, the big deal is we're really stretching. We're looking to stretch this year. We sense God's call upon this church to kind of step out in faith. Uh, and to to become more uh, the community that we've been called to become in this area. And if you were not here last Sunday, and you're interested in knowing the trajectory of the church into the future, I really encourage you to go online and listen to the sermon from last Sunday. Um, Not because it was a great sermon, but because it it contained the information uh, that really helps us to uh, think about the future and where we're going together. And so for you to be informed, that's the best way to do that. So I encourage you to do that. And then uh, especially... Uh, be with us. Make every effort to be with us next Sunday as we uh, celebrate Vision Day Part 2 and we have our congregational meeting. And then the last thing I want to mention before we get into our, uh, our sermon for today is that we have, uh, you'll see in your, in your bulletin a card about an upcoming series. Very excited about this uh, upcoming series. It's called The Story of God, and we're going to go through the entire Bible in eight weeks. Uh, the, the sections are based on our Gospel Academy, Academy course, uh, uh, Biblical Proficiency. We're going to be looking at each Sunday at another part of Scripture, and uh, kind of getting the overarching theme, the story of God. If you know people who, you know, a lot of us know a lot of the stories in the Bible, but but we haven't ever really put them together. Uh, if you know people who are like that and you think that they could benefit from really getting the whole story of the Bible and how our story fits into God's story, then I encourage you to take one of those cards, maybe pass it along. We'll have more cards next week. Invite your friends to be a part of this journey that we're going to be on. That's going to be starting on October 7th. And like I say, we'll have more cards for you. Uh, and, and if you can be here for that too, I think you'll really get a, a a grasp of the whole Bible throughout that series. So a lot of exciting things coming uh, this is Andrew Franklin, and he is uh, our, well, we're calling him still pastoral intern, but um, he's going to be growing out of that title, I, I think, soon. Um, I keep trying to get him to grow out of it. He likes being called the intern. Gives him a little cover. I, I build walls and vacuum <laughs> and do things like that, so it still counts as an intern. Um, we wanted to talk today about uh, community and, and how it relates to this particular church. And, and just this morning, I was talking to Andrew as we were in the office Um, praying this morning and talking, and um, just personally, uh, this is such an important topic, and, and I was thinking back yesterday, reflecting on Count Me In, and then today, even preparing for worship, and remembering to the early days of this church, and how isolated that was, and uh, how you know, we would get up to do our Count Me In service projects and I'd feel like I was going to vomit all morning because you know, just carrying all the, sort of the, the pressure of it and wondering if it's going to go okay and it's a new thing. And then I'd get up Sunday morning and feel like I was going to vomit because you know, we were just starting and this church was struggling along. And, of course, those are a lot of my issues I had to deal with. Um, but some of that was the idea of isolation. And I think that uh, in our lives, a lot of times we approach life in isolation. And we don't bring others in, and it's scary, and it and it makes it more difficult than it needs to be. And I was so encouraged this weekend just to see how, with the development of community and leadership, how when we do this together, how different it feels, and how God wants us to live life in that way. Uh, it's very critical. So um, that I didn't, you didn't know I was going to talk about that. That was a freebie. Um, but um, why in this season? is it good for us to address community? Yeah,
1: so we've highlighted September for a long time as a month we really want to promote intentional community um, through our home groups at Solana Community Church. And a big part of that being now is that a lot of people come back from vacation, students are back in school, and it's just the life cycle of a local church that you always have more people showing up in the fall. So it's a season that we really anticipate, and especially in the life of this church, um, it's been growing tremendously just in terms of, I look at how many rows we have set up, and there's more rows. This is my my, uh, measuring stick, is how many rows are we setting up on a Sunday morning? And the reality of a church community that gets longer, or that, longer, rows get longer, uh, as the community gets larger, is that community is harder and harder to do well. And it's easier for people to show up to not meet anybody, to not connect with anybody and leave and not feel like this is the family of God, that this is the body of Christ. So we have singled out home groups in this season because the home group is central to the life of this church and it is central to us maintaining that feeling that this is the body of Christ. This isn't just a place that you show up, but central to our vision for this church and for our life as as members of this body of Christ is that we are involved in intentional Christian community outside of these walls on a Sunday morning. and we take it serious, and we really we ask every person who's a member to be involved in a home group. And so we really want to put these home groups in front of you. Um, we did this last week, but also this week. we're going to have just as you leave, there's a table out there. you might have been wondering what that was because there was nobody standing out there but there will be people standing out there after the service there should be people um, from almost every home group represented there if you're curious what home groups are around we have them literally Monday through Friday now and you can meet somebody from the different home groups so if you show up at their house you'll know a person you can't have the excuse of I didn't go to the home group because I didn't know anybody there you can meet somebody outside of that door So on the welcome cards, we usually ask you to fill out if you're interested in a home group, but I would take that a step further this week and say, if you would check that box, go to that table and meet somebody from a home group and give them your email and say, email me, I want to come to your home group this week. So we're really promoting that intentionally, not just because there's a lot of people here, but because we really believe that this is central to our going forward as the
0: body of Christ. So we thought we would do a sermon in community this week to kind of work with that. Now, we didn't want to stretch it too far, so we're both named Andrew. That helps. Um, Too crazy, you know. Um, But uh, what we did is we went and we came up with four different topics that we thought would be important to talk about together. We went kind of to our own prayer closets and pulled out our Bibles and and thought, tried to think deeply about these, and then we came back together and said, okay, here's what I'm thinking, and it was really neat to see that we came at things from different angles, and so we want to kind of do that again this morning. And, and so we kind of refined and worked on that. So.
1: And when you come at things from a different angle than the pastor, you always think that, oh man, am I wrong? <laughs> so we're going to have some of these slides posted a up. A few so people you can... <laughs> think that, but not very many. <laughs> if you could put up the first one. We're, we have um, categories that we are going to answer each of these. And the first one is why community matters. So Andrew, tell us why do you think it matters? So I'm
0: going to shake things up and I'm going to say community doesn't matter.
1: So great. Um,
0: you can sign up on your way out as we leave today. And <laughs> So uh, I might pull back a little bit. That might be a mo- little more harsh than I mean. But I want to just put community in its proper place, I think, in life and, and, and uh, the fellowship and what it means to follow Jesus Christ. And to do that, I want to go to one of my favorite passages, which is in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, uh, starting around verse 7. This is This has been a passage that has been... Uh, One that I've come back to through the years. This was a passage that really, uh, when I was in one of the darkest times of my life in ministry, uh, jumped out at me and became pivotal for me. And God has continued to minister to me through this passage in Philippians chapter 3. And I think it's important for us to go walk through this a little bit to understand uh, what community is and what community isn't. And in this text, it's interesting because Paul is talking about all the markers that he had that demonstrate that he was part of the community that he grew up in, the, 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 the leadership in, in Judaism. He had everything that you need to be part of the Jewish leadership. But he says then in verse 7, but whatever gain I had, whatever tickets I had to be a part of this community, he said, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth And the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible i may attain the resurrection from the dead central to paul's understanding of life was this idea of drawing close to jesus christ To being united to Jesus Christ. And I go back into the Old Testament. You think of the Psalms. David writes, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. To seek Him in His temple. And and so we have this. And I can come with all kinds of different scriptures that talk about uh, this idea of seeking after Jesus Christ. That really is our primary goal. That's the most important thing. Um, there, there are limitations to human community that we have to acknowledge. We can't uh, find the kind of intimacy that we long for through other human beings, ultimately, I mean, just to get real, right? Uh, you're, even, even your spouse isn't going to know everything about you. There are going to be uh, breakages in your, in your relationship with your spouse. It's not going to be perfect int- intimacy. The only person can, who can know you is the Lord Jesus Christ in that way. Uh, The only person with whom you can share that intimacy of relationship is God. And so there are limitations to human community. And ultimately, our primary goal is to be in Christ. That's the greatest thing. That's the most important thing. It's more important to be in Christ than to be in community. Okay, But having said that... We then come around and say part of being in Christ is being in community. Part of being in Christ. is be- the, the church is the body of Christ. If you want to be in Christ and, and really live that to the fullest, then it's incumbent upon you to be in community. When we look at uh, Acts 2.42, talking about how the church drew near to God, what are the things that the church did uh, to draw near to God? The church, uh, it says they devoted themselves to, To the apostles' teaching, so the word, and we've talked about this a lot over the years, these four different means that we have to draw close to God. Uh, They they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, so we have that now as the word of God. Um, To the fellowship, which is community, that's the second one. To the breaking of bread, gathering together in worship, and and we always break bread every time we gather together, uh, celebrating communion, but it's that worship context. And to the prayers. And those are the four means that we have in a real practical level. You say, I want to get close to God. I want to know Christ. That's my goal. Well, what do you do? Those are the four things you go after. You, you read the word. You understand the word. You get into fellowship with others. You worship and you pray. And by those, you draw close to God. You begin to understand who he is and you grow. And that happens individually and collectively. So community is not the goal but it is important part of how we accomplish the goal of knowing Christ. So I want to say it this way: on some level, by reducing the importance of community, we elevate the potential of community. See, C.S. Lewis talked about this in the Four Loves, and I haven't actually read the whole thing. I just started reading it with my wife. We're going to go through the C.S. Lewis Four Loves together, and um, he talks about friendship, and 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 and. Um, and you know, uh, lovers, and he kind of goes through and talks about these different uh, aspects of community. And he says that that lovers look at each other and 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 they sort of have a, a have the ultimate goal is to is to know each other. Friends face outward and they walk side by side, and it's by focusing on something outside of themselves that their fellowship is developed. They 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 walk towards a goal together. So I love to cycle. And you didn't think I was going to get it in this time, but I'm going to get it in there. I love to cycle, and so I have friends with whom I, I ride, and, and there's something about that that's really sweet. We're not really trying to be friends. We're not, like, just turned towards each other in that way. We're going biking, and as we're going cycling, and we're talking, and we're enjoying, and, and, and things break down in the middle of the road, and we're helping each other, and whatever. Uh, there's a friendship that develops out of that, and there are these serendipitous moments of understanding and fellowship that occur. And, and that's what C.S. Lewis is saying, Uh, about community in the church, that that Christian friendship is like that. We're focused on knowing Christ. That's the goal. But as we walk towards that goal together, we're blessed with these moments of interaction and understanding and knowledge of one another, and it's a beautiful thing, and we help each other, and it's absolutely critical to that goal of knowing Christ. But we don't want to idolize community and make that a goal. We get in trouble if community becomes the goal. So that's my answer to uh, why does community matter What are you thinking? I'd first of all like to see people cycling facing each other.
1: That would be impressive. (laughs) I did that once, actually. (laughs) Community matters because it points people to Jesus Christ and the cross. In John 13, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them that they're going to look for him, but they cannot go where he is going. And then Jesus says this to his disciples. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So imagine I'm standing here before you and I am a sinner redeemed by the grace of God. I'm standing as a member of the community of God, forgiven for my sins. And how would you know this about me? Just looking at me, standing here by myself, how would you know this about me? And John 13 is telling us something profound, that our identity as followers of Christ is only known to the world through community. As it says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. And part of our vision for community, for home groups here at Solana Community Church is that we live lives that cause people to ask, why? Why? Why do you do that? That when we unconditionally love our neighbor, that even when they have wronged us, we continue to love our neighbor, that should cause people to ask, why do you do that? I mean, when we forgive our friends and family who fail us, who betray us over and over and over again, I mean, people might call you naive and foolish for that, but we are called to do that. And people should ask why when they see us do that. And we can sacrificially give our time and our money to others, even when we don't have much time or money to give. And people will ask, why? Why do you do that? And when they ask us why, we can tell them, because I follow a God who loves me unconditionally. I follow a God who forgives me over and over and over again. And I follow a God who gave to me so sacrificially that he laid down his life for me. And because I follow that God, my life should resemble the life that he lived while he was on this earth. And there's a great book uh, talking about Christian community called Resident Aliens uh, by Stanley Hauerwas and Will Willimon. And they're talking about what it means to live as the redeemed community of God in the middle of this broken world. And they talk about a need to live a radical, Christ-centered life that causes the world to see its own poverty without Jesus. That the, moral, the world might go on living in such a way where survival of the fittest is just kind of how everything works. That's how you operate. Um, where, where moving forward in the career is the point of life, where getting more money is, is the means to happiness, which is the ultimate end, just being a happy person. And the world might think, this is a perfectly normal way to live. But against the backdrop of Christian community, the world should see a difference. The world should know that there is another way and there's a better way. That the redeemed community of Jesus Christ must live in stark contrast to the world. We need to live lives that cause people to ask, why? Why do you do things so differently? Because then we can say, Because of our Redeemer, that's why. So, this is why community matters. Because of our love for one another, the world will know Jesus.
0: So, uh, I'm going to put a seed in your minds, too, right now, and that is that... uh... During this next, after this next section, we're going to kind of open it up a little bit. So if you're processing as we go along uh, questions that you have or comments that you would like to make on the subject that we're covering, then we're going to have a microphone available here. So start thinking about those things. Uh, So we're going to move to another topic, though, and that is um, the next one. How is Solano Community Church how Saloni Community Church is doing community. In particular, we're thinking about what are the, what's unique about the approach that we're trying to take in uh, forming or bringing about community.
1: I'm going to start just by reading from the uh, book of First Peter chapter 2. I'll just follow along, starting in verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious... You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Jumping over to verse 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Part of my personal calling to being a pastor really centered around this word that we're talking about today, community. And I went through years after undergrad of asking a lot of questions and getting a little frustrated with God and praying a lot, asking the question of, what am I supposed to be doing Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And I prayed that for years after college. And throughout that whole season of asking those questions, I knew that whatever I ended up doing, I wanted it to be involved in building community. It was this burden that God had given me that every career I looked at, every grad program I looked at, I wanted to find something where I was involved in bringing people together in community. And so when I sensed years later that God was calling me to be a pastor, I really believed part of that, uh, the excitement that I had was a huge part of this is building community. Like, this makes so much sense for me. And since then, I've come to understand that my view of this was a little skewed. It's just slightly off. And it all comes down to this word, identity. So to answer this question, how is SCC doing community, one significant way... And it's a small way, but a very important way, is to see our identity as a community. I mean, this is something profound that I've really grown to learn in the last couple years here uh, at Salana Community Church, but it has changed my life, literally changed my life. My understanding that I am the community of God, or you could say this in another way, that I am the church, that you are the church you don't go to church, you don't go to community, you are the church, you are that community. And we try to avoid using the language here of going to church or asking how was church, and literally if you ever catch me saying church in that way, saying like, oh, go to church, you can correct me. You probably won't, he'll probably say it a lot. You could get mad at him, just kidding. But literally correct us. Whoa, 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 you can't go to something that you are. You are the church. And I know this is just convenient language and we're used to saying this all the time. And you might think, okay, big whoop. You talk about church. You talk about it differently. Like, what's the big deal? But it really does shape how we live our lives. And it really does shape our vision for home groups at Solana Community Church. Because if the implication is that I go to church, then the converse of that is that there are times when I'm not going to church or when I'm not doing church. I mean, it implies that there are going to be times when I represent Jesus. There are times when I am God's temple in this world. I am the dwelling place of His Holy Spirit. And then there's times when I'm a dentist or a student or a teacher, you know, kind of separating those two, compartmentalizing that. And I'm constantly encouraged, and i am seriously, I'm not standing up here saying, like, oh, we need to get to this place. I'm constantly encouraged when I look at home groups throughout this local church, and I see people living in this way. I see a people who live in a way that loving neighbor is not confined to small two-hour windows of doing Christian things. And it's so encouraging to me. I see this, and it gets me excited because I think my job's easy. I can just stand here and applaud what you do all the time in your communities, that people are living out lives of sacrifice that are not bound by time. They're not bound by, oh, this is inconvenient for me because, you know, I'm not at church right now. You know, get a hold of me next Sunday and we can do something about that. There's a significant book in my life uh, by Dietrich Bonhoeffer called Life Together, which is talking about Christian fellowship, Christian community. And he has this great phrase in here. In talking about Christian community, Bonhoeffer says, it is not an ideal which we must realize. It is rather a reality created by God in Christ which we may participate. So my prayer for this community here is that we don't feel this heavy burden to do community because community has already been established by God through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. And that we are called to joyfully participate in this. That it's already happening and we got to join this party. That's what we're called to do. And this should be a huge relief of pressure for us. That we don't have to approach community thinking that we have to do this, this, this in order for it to succeed. But to understand that it has already succeeded. God has already established his church. And we're just participating in this. So, How is SCC doing community? We are doing it by not
0: doing it. We're doing it by being it. So, tell you what. So, uh, just to put the seed in your mind again. After I'm going to share a little bit on how we are being community from my perspective, but then uh, I want to open it up. So, be thinking about a comment you might want to make or a question that you might have. so as I was praying and thinking about this this topic, how are we being? How are we doing? How are we being community? Um, I stand corrected, and it's being community, and it's already happening. I love it. God's already doing this. He's already put us together, and uh, we're sort of jumping on board. The thing that I've been chewing on over the last while, and through the last probably two years, we have been talking about this back and forth, and that is how do our communities, our home groups, become holistic? Uh, We've had uh, throughout the history of the church, and especially the American church, we like to divide things up. And so we have prayer groups and we have groups that study the Bible, and then we have uh, programs that get groups together to go out and do evangelism, and we sort of segment all the pieces of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think what has been happening more recently has been a recognition that by doing so, we often end up out of balance because some of us will gravitate to one particular group and we'll ignore the other kind. We'll be be part of praying, but we won't be a part of reaching out or be a part of this or that. And the insight that uh, has been happening here as we've been talking and also throughout uh, a number of churches I know is to bring uh, all the the parts of what it means to be a follower of Christ into one community setting Uh, and the beauty of this is that you have synergy as you're praying you're praying for how you're doing evangelism, and as you're worshiping, you're thinking of it in the context of your prayer, and it's all woven together, and it's holistic the way following Jesus Christ was meant to be. I mean, when when the first disciples followed Jesus Christ, they were in community doing all these things together, and the different aspects were mutually beneficial to the others, mutually reinforcing one another, and it's a very important part of community. So we're saying we want all of what it means to be a Christ follower represented in the home group. Uh, you, in other words, we have to change our definition of what it means to be healthy a little bit. You can't have a healthy community that, that puts prayer to the side. Or you can't have a healthy community that puts Bible study to the side. Or you can't have a healthy community that doesn't uh, work together on mission to do evangelism. Uh, we're we're kind of redefining what it means to be health, healthy. Uh, and I know the, the difficult for Part for us is evangelism, uh, reaching out, sharing this good news that we've received, the gospel, sharing it with other people who maybe haven't heard it uh, that's the loving thing to do right if you get something in life that's really wonderful and beautiful and, and glorious, you don't hoard it to yourself, you share it with others and that's just the, that's just the the, the the loving thing to do uh, and yet in the church oftentimes what's happened, is we've had this sort of interesting uh, mindset where we say, well, let's all get healthy and we'll get really good at the Bible and we'll get in Christ and community and we'll be really healthy and then we'll go and share the gospel with people. The problem is, is you can't get healthy by bracketing out evangelism to the side. Part of being healthy is embracing the call to share the gospel with the people around you. You can't bracket that out to some future date if you ever get to it. And then just so go about being healthy, leaving that to the sidelines. So we kind of need a new definition of what it means to be healthy individually and as small communities as a, and as a church. And that new definition has to include our outreach and our evangelism. And another way to say it is our multiplication, that we're always looking for the next person to grow up into serving the Lord, into leadership, into going out, into being on mission. Uh, that, that multiplication has to be part of our definition of health. You can't have health minus multiplication. That doesn't work. Now, I know this is a challenging thing for a lot of us because, for understandably so, a lot of us are very scared of evangelism. We're, we're, we're afraid of going out and sharing what's been given to us. We like to be able to huddle with other Christians and not have that pressure. Um, but I think that what we're talking about here is something very different than what we've traditionally talked about when we talk about evangelism. What we're really talking about, and Andrew has already painted a picture for this, I think, really well, is creating groups of friends that are centered around the gospel. They're living out gospel centrality together. And as they do that, as the gospel informs their community and their relationships, they're inviting others to come in and experience that community. That's what we're really talking about. And if you look at the way we've structured home groups moving forward in the future, that we're not talking about creating another program in your home group and going out and doing evangelism. We're talking about focusing on creating community that's gospel-centered, that's, that has all the marks of Christ, and it will thereby be beautiful and glorious and attractive and wonderful. And then allowing and inviting others to step into that community And in doing so, they will experience the gospel, they will hear the gospel, they will see it lived out in the flesh, and then that will be the way that they'll come into contact with Jesus Christ. It's a mindset shift that takes a little bit to wrap your mind around, but makes all the difference in how we move out into the world and how we define what it means to be healthy as individual communities, as individuals, and as a church. Now, I want to open it up. Uh, If some of you have some comments or questions or thoughts, uh, obviously try to be concise in what you say, Um, and uh, we'll just give a little bit of time. I'm not sure how much interest there is in this, Uh, and then we'll move on to a couple more topics that we want to cover. So anybody want to lead out with a question or a comment? Great. Uh, Let's go to Eric over here. Can you stand up and just tell us your name? My name is Eric, and my question is, I mean, Pastor Hoffman, you talked
1: earlier about idolizing community, right? And I was curious on what does that look like, and how do we kind of have that right mindset when we do get together?
0: Yeah, I in terms of the question of, and don't turn off the mic, you can pass it back there, just leave it on, um, but what, in terms of what I was thinking in terms of idolizing community, and I think we all have this tendency, is to want and long for community with other people so strongly that we almost, we almost elevate that above our desire for Christ, and that's when it becomes dangerous, because human community, with us being sinners and broken people, is never going to satisfy that deep whole in us that will only be satisfied by Jesus Christ. And so community will help us along that path, but we have to be careful that we don't try to satisfy the God hole in us with human community. So that's the picture that I'm talking about. And, and what I think it looks like lived out is when we gather together, we hold this community a little bit loosely. We understand that we don't own the people around us. We keep focused on something outward, which is the goal of knowing Christ. And we come alongside each other and we encourage each other towards that goal. And we're, both, we're all pointing to that goal together and helping each other to know Christ. But we don't turn inward on each other and say that knowing you is going to save me. Knowing you is going is to fulfill all my needs. Because humans can't handle that, right? It's, it's, we can't handle that level of intensity in relationship. We're not big enough to satisfy each other's needs completely. But we can sure help move towards Jesus Christ. Does that answer the question? Right behind Eric, there was another. Good morning. Uh, my name is Anthony Shu, and I've been to this church about a month now. And we know that this country, this great country, is a country of immigrants. And especially this Bay Area, there's a lot of different communities of, uh, of people, right, from all parts of the world, and especially in this, uh, the, uh, this, uh, this particular area here. And we see people from, you know, as they speak different languages, different cultures. Now my question is that, how do you approach this different people with different background and different languages? Do you think the possibility of having groups, home groups with their own native tongues will help to grow this church or not? Mm. That's a great question. You know, I think Andrew's going to actually talk about that very issue in the next spark. So
1: No, he's not kidding. It's solved. <laughs> no, I I do address that piece a little bit, but I, I think it's, um, to take it concretely, I would offer freely the truth that I don't know. I think that it would be fantastic, but at this season today, that just doesn't exist, and I don't know if it's because of resources or because we haven't sat down and formed these groups, but I have no opposition to that, um, and, I, and I think there's something beautiful about having groups in different languages. I mean, we've had a couple of these times, we've had some community prayer, and when I just hear other languages, people crying out to God in a different tongue is one of those beautiful things for me, and so I can say that, yes, but I I, I think that would be wonderful, but it just hasn't happened yet, and I
0: can't say, oh, we'll, we'll start one tomorrow, but that's where my heart is on that. Right. And then you, in a minute, you'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the other points that he raised in terms of the diversity issue in community. There's one more question. I think, uh, was it Matt over here, maybe?
2: My name is Matt. Uh, this question is for Andrew.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: the one in the plaid, sorry. The one um, in the plaid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just, that's all I wanted to say. I'm done. <laughs> Uh, no, my question uh, um, is uh, earlier you were talking about um, how if we 're living in this gospel community then then our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers ask us the question like why do you why do you do that that way or why don't you do that or something like that um, that 's happened to me like once in my entire life, and i 'm wondering if um, if you could give like a, an example, like put some flesh on that for me, like just paint a picture, maybe even just from your own life of like what that has what that has looked like for you and what that has entailed, because I've seen it take place in really rich forms in, in the lives of friends and that sort of thing it's just never been hmm. something that happens to me that often, if that makes sense
0: Do you want to take that? Or...
2: You go first <laughs> Alright
0: <laughs> I, I, I think I'm not sure that we have to look for them saying those exact words. Why do you do it that way? I actually think people are asking that continually in their minds, and they may not articulate it. And we can look for that curiosity or the, even the questioning in their eyes about w- why do you live that way. Um, so I, I think that that question may be being asked more than we realize would be my initial thought. I have had experiences in my life where I thought I wasn't having any impact on anybody at all and come to find out later, they never let me know this, but they were watching me you know, with their magnifying glass to really learn some things and understand, and maybe a lot further down the road came back with a question. So that's kind of in the realm, a little bit of leaving it up to God, and, and we don't know, but I think it's happening more than we realize. And of course, the other thing I would say is as we get better at, being out there with gospel-centered community, then it will be more in front of people for them to interact with and explore and understand question. And I think we're still, at least in this church, turning the corner on, what it, on really becoming effective and living out the community in that way and making it available to others. And, so.
1: and I would just briefly add that I completely appreciate that, and I love that, because sometimes I'm, I'm looking for more people to ask that in my life, and a couple of things that I've realized is that, one, like Andrew says, that word why might not be explicitly articulated. There might be a curiosity that somebody has. But something that I've come to realize is that so often I am elevating my own position as one who saves people. And that if I can live a life a certain way and it can get somebody to ask that why question, then one plus one equals two, and tomorrow they will be kneeling before the cross. And one of the things I fail to appreciate is the Holy Spirit's conviction in people's lives, and it's the only way that I'm ever going to survive in this world because otherwise I put so much pressure on myself to live a life in a certain way that's getting people to ask why, thinking that I'm the one who's causing them to ask that question. Whereas, I think they might see something that you do, but on the other side, the Holy Spirit has to be tugging on them a little bit. And and to me, I mean, it's, it's almost an intangible that I can't concretely say, well, you have to do this, and then they're going to do that. Um, I don't want to elevate my own role as one who really can bring somebody into the kingdom of heaven. Um, but I also think that I don't live a very radical life that causes people to ask that very much. I don't live a life that truly, like, I I took that phrase from uh, Resident Aliens where the Christian community should be the backdrop against the world that it can see its own poverty. I don't think I'm a stark enough backdrop for the world, frankly, and sometimes I ask myself that question of how can I radically live for Christ more, and would that cause people to ask why?
0: I, I, I don't know, but I great question. So, I think I'm going to move us on just to the next one, but if you have questions, we're going to try to have another uh, pause for questions, so just hold on to those. And, uh, Andrew, can we talk a little bit about obstacles in achieving this community and make it short?
1: Yes. A- Anthony, this goes to, to your question. Um, Galatians 3.28 says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I've always loved this verse because it paints a beautiful picture of how Christ breaks down barriers, but reading this last week, it stood out to me for a different reason. And I was imagining all these people sitting around a kitchen table during a home group. You have the men, the women, you have the rich landowner, but then you have the slave, and then you have the Jew who obeys the law, who believes he's God's chosen people, and then you have the Samaritan who... En- they're just clashing constantly. And I'm imagining Galatians 3.28 sitting in my living room is going to be really messy. And this is one of the huge obstacles to overcome in our home groups and community at SCC because messiness can be scary. And the diversity of our home groups can really cause people to turn away. I mean, you, you visit a home group and you see a stark contrast with, you know, rich poor, Democrat, Republican, new Christian, mature Christian, I mean, we have that probably in every single home group, different ethnicities, languages, like you were saying, somebody visits that home group, they can experience a little bit of tension and that diversity. And every person is gonna have that question or that choice to make, do I commit to this or do I turn away because it's not easy? And if we are a Christ-centered church, we should be drawing all types of people to this community. And if we are a Christ-centered church and we are, have the marks of diversity, which I believe is a mark of a healthy community, then it's going to be messy. And we are going to be drawing people together that have nothing in common but their shared identity in Christ. And when I think about this, I'm a huge soccer fan. Arsenal till I die. Don't tell me what happened in the game today. But it's a soccer team in England that I am here we go a little obsessed with, but I tell you I have like these bonds with people because of our support of this soccer team in England, that it's unbelievable. I mean, when I was living in London, I was like brothers to these people who I'd watched the match with, and same thing when I was traveling in South America and Spain, I was driving down the 80 couple years ago, and some guy sees my Arsenal sticker, and he's honking, and I'm like, yeah, and he starts lifting up his shirt, and he's got an Arsenal jersey on underneath his jacket. He's like, yeah, we roll down the windows, we're talking on the freeway, swerving. (laughs) Diversity can be messy, but our shared identity has to bring us together, and here's the great thing about diversity is that we worship an infinite God, and my understanding of this God as a finite person, is going to be limited. And so the more I interact with people who don't come from my western, upper-middle-class, white, educated background that I come from, their view of God is going to be different than my view of God, and that's only going to be a good thing. Because the way I, see, I learn about their understanding of God and your understanding and his and her understanding of God we all see God and worship God in a different way, and my ability to worship God more truthfully, more fully is going to grow
0: as I interact with more diverse followers of Jesus. So. Yeah, and, so, and you're not saying that God himself is changing, that it's just that our blindness because of our, our, where we come from doesn't allow us to see if God this in this spectrum, fullness. this huge spectrum, my understanding is other this people's little wedge. Yeah which is a beautiful thing. All right, I'm going to reduce mine to just a couple of sentences on what obstacles do we need to overcome, and, and I think one of them is, one major one, is we need to shift from the program mindset to the friendship mindset. Your home group, that's a group of people, of friends, Christian friends, and you're pursuing Christ together. This isn't a program that you go to, and I think if you get that mindset, sh- mind shift it will really encourage and help the process of growing in christ and i just want to say i'm not going to pause on these but the rhythms that we're building into our home groups the storytelling um, the celebrating the meal sharing the sacrificing and you'll hear about those in your home group it's part of our vision for home group those are going to help to quickly turn the corner on this issue and make it more of a set of friends who are pursuing christ a program that you attend and that's where the sparks really fly when people start to sacrifice uh, for each other they see a need and instead of just walking away and saying well I'll come back next week to this program they start to do life together and say well I'm going to go ahead and make a sacrifice to help this person and then when you're in trouble later they sacrifice to help you uh, that's when gospel centered community really comes alive and then people can see it from the outside and you can experience it enjoy it so moving from program mindset to more organic friendship is is my encouragement for us as we as we move towards this. So a couple more questions.
3: Yeah. It'll
0: come on. Just wait.
3: Okay. Thanks. Just sort of addresses what I guess Anthony was saying just maybe from a slightly different vantage point kind of goes into what you were talking about. You know, I think of um, an area that's diverse as you know, it's called a melting pot. And that's when things blend together. But if the different groups of people in that diverse area kind of only get together with each other, I think of that as dumplings, and so they're sort of bumping up against each other. And the dumpling knows itself, but it doesn't know others. And I think for most of us, when we look in the mirror, I mean, I'm I'm pretty adept at understanding 40-something black women, since that's what I am. It's other people I might not be so much, you know, that is not as easy to understand. So I love the challenge of getting to know different types of people across generations, across races, across you know socioeconomic backgrounds, Um, and. That's, the for me, the beauty of being in a church like this. I, I don't want to go to a church where everyone looks like me. I just, I just don't. And I can even make friends with people that, you know, maybe have some things in common with myself. But I want to be a part of something larger than me. And that's where I get to learn what a foot in the body is like, what a hand in the body is like. So that's sort of my take on, you know, um, whether or not we would have, you know, diverse groups or mm-hmm. groups that sort of more look like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's great, and, and one thing just to always add in with that is that it's hard. To, it's harder. Church is harder when you don't all look the same. And we just have to be ready for that and not be surprised by it, and that's okay. But it looks a lot more like heaven, too, because that's when we're going to have people from every tribe and tongue and nation worshiping together, so that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, Julie. Oh, sorry.
2: Thank you. Um, well, I'm kind of you know, nervous to, to speak in front of all of you, but I really want to point this out. I absolutely do not see diversity as an obstacle to be overcome. I mean, it's not, it's not a problem for me. Um, I expect to see people of all different ages, all different races, all different backgrounds, different marital status. It would freak me out if I went to a home group and all the people were Asian, all the pe- or all the people were white, all the people were black, or everyone was married, or everyone was single. That would make me, that would make me nervous. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I do not see uh, diversity as something to be overcome at all.
1: Yeah, and thank you. I and I don't want to you to walk away thinking. Sorry, let me clarify. Diversity can bring something that is uncomfortable because people, like I said, Galatians three, slave, free, Jew, Gentile, male, female. These are coming from the most one of the most uh, divided first century cultures ever. And you're putting those people together and it's a beautiful thing and the diversity is beautiful. But what comes from the diversity also doesn't make it easy and that's a beautiful thing because if we're ever pursuing easy, following Jesus is not the right path. So I thank you. I don't want you to walk away thinking that diversity is an obstacle to overcome. But diversity causes some tensions, um, looking at back to Galatians three, that is an obstacle, but it's also a gift that God has given us here in Solano. So thank you.
0: Yeah, great. I'm going to uh, push us forward here. Um, and just to finish up with a couple of comments, um, and that is, uh, we wanted to talk about some su- success stories. And so, um, just to end with, with this, I think is really important. And, uh, Uh, I'm aware of time, and we could spend a long time on this, but do you want to share? Oh, I'll go first, actually, because it says in my notes I'm supposed to go first, so I'll do that. (laughs) A couple of success stories. Uh, I think we could look at every home group and easily pull out success stories and wonderful things that God's doing. Um, as I was thinking about this, just kind of in line with what I've already been talking about, what, what success is what I w- want to highlight or where do I see God working? And just two briefly. Uh, one is in our Monday night group, we've had a really neat thing take place, and that was that uh, the leader of that group sort of stepped aside and asked a couple of other leaders, to uh, people who hadn't been leading, to step up and take over the facilitating of the home group. And the result of that was that they became more and more comfortable with facilitating the group, and it actually created a space for them to grow in maturity. You know, there's a certain point in growing in maturity with Christ where if you don't start serving, it creates a ceiling on your growth. At a certain point, you have to start giving back. For the leader to step aside gave a place for these guys to grow up into and to start to serve and give back. And that, that accelerates their spiritual growth. And it's a beautiful thing. And so now the result of that group is they're they're starting a second, they're multiplying into another group. And it was because... Of that process, uh, that courageous process, I think, of stepping aside and letting the other the other group lead, so so Guy Mazada was leading that charge and uh, just really appreciated the way he stepped aside like that, which is a courageous thing to do, and and let others lead. And that's, that's how we multiply. That's how we keep reaching out and creating ways for others to, to grow. Second thing I would say is we've had a really neat thing happen uh, in the Tuesday El Cerrito group, and that was that uh, somebody who came in who was in the process of really exploring what it means to follow Jesus Christ and become a Christian uh, came into the group and was a part of it, um, asked lots of questions and, and studied the Bible a lot. And and then came to a point of decision of coming to faith, and then continued to pursue and be part of the Gospel Academy and grow and and learn and do Bible study, and then now has stepped into the role of co-leader of that home group. And what's really exciting to me about that is that, um, you know, this this person has gone from exploring the faith to to coming to faith to growing in the faith to now uh, helping to lead the home group in the context of this community of faith, helping assist that along the way. And I look at that, and I go, that's what Jesus did. He, he, he walked with people as they came to know him, and then he he sent them out to do ministry. And that's what we're called to do. And so, very excited, hoping to see that repeated over and over again in the life of this church. A couple of success yeah, stories. Yeah, just
1: briefly, something happened in my home group one night that still just sticks with me as such a great example of, what it means to be fluent in the gospel. And this is a phrase you might hear in this community a lot, but gospel fluency, where we we have absorbed the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ into our lives to the point where we speak the truth of that into all aspects of our lives. And we're going around the table in our home group one evening just sharing what's going on in life, how can we pray for one another. And somebody in the group starts talking about how frustrating it was that they weren't finding work and that um, their living situation wasn't going well. And there was conflict there. And this person really just started saying how they didn't feel good about themselves, that they weren't valuable. Um, they weren't doing all these things that they were supposed to do. And they just weren't feeling um, like very confident in just who they were. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, oh, you know, I can pray for this person in this way, and I wonder if I can help find a job, and this and that. And I'm thinking just very practical terms. And then we start to pray, and somebody else in the group starts praying for this woman and says, roughly says, God, this woman has believed a lie about herself, that she is not valuable, that she is not worth your love. And we know that's not true because of the gospel. That we know that Jesus Christ died for that person, making an incredible value value statement about that person. That this person is righteous because of the blood of Christ. That this person is perfect covered by the blood of Christ. And that their identity is secured, not by what they do or their job or their family situation, but their identity is secure because of their identity in Christ. And I'm just sitting there thinking, Yeah, that's the right answer. Like, amen. That is the right answer. And that's something that we want to see happening throughout this community. Speaking true statements from the gospel's point of view, saying you are valuable because Jesus died for you. You are valuable because your identity is in Christ. That your identity is secure. Not by what you produce or what you bring to the table, but it's secure. And it's something that we hope to become a a congregation where everybody preaches the gospel, not just on the street corner with signs, but preaching the gospel into every single
0: circumstance in life. Amen. I feel led to just ask us to stand because I want to pray for us. So would you stand uh, with us? And um, this is such a core part of who we are as a church. And as we pray, maybe you could just Reflect on your involvement in community and what is God calling you to with respect to community today. Uh, He's asking you to to bring yourself to bless others and to bring yourself to community so that you can be blessed by others and you can ultimately together know Christ more. And that's something that um, takes a commitment. And so, God, we come before you this morning, and we ask as the church that you would help us to make that commitment, Um, not because the pastor says so or anything like that, but because in Scripture we see that community is absolutely essential to what it means to know Christ. And so, help us to commit in our hearts, help us to commit with our heads, help us to commit with our hands. Help us to commit with our feet to get into community so that we can experience the body of Christ, so that we can bless others, so that we might be blessed. And so ultimately, this journey of knowing Christ can be accelerated and that others might know him as well. God, we commit to you. uh, We bring to you our fears And we bring to you our hopes and dreams. And we pray for your absolute leadership in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. You may be seated.
2: If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we invite you to partake in communion with us this morning, and if you are considering your relationship with Jesus, we are glad that you came today and that you're here, and we invite you to take this time to reflect and to pray. We, Solano Community Church, we celebrate communion every week to remind us us of God's or of Christ's. Um, death and resurrection that binds us together as a community, as we have heard this morning. As we take part of the elements, let us reflect on Jesus' unconditional love for us, that it is this
0: love that re- led him to the cross, and it is this act of love also that, in that we receive salvation.